Welcome to episode 21 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. Today we have a very special guest for you today, author and researcher Tom Carey, one of the original investigators to investigate Roswell with his colleague Don Schmidt. Today we'll be talking about how he got involved in the UFO field, some of his research into Roswell and Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and some of the books that he's written over his time. So we're going to take a real deep dive in, so strap on them seatbelts, we're going for a ride. All right, welcome to episode 21 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, and today we have our special guest, Tom Carey. Welcome to the show, Tom. Nice to be with you, Jesse. So I also hear that you are in the same neighborhood as me, <laughs> Philadelphia. Yes, apparently we grew up in the same neighborhood in Philadelphia, Northeast Philly and Mayfair. And uh, we were just talking off uh, off. Uh, Mike, uh, that, that we we grew up uh, basically in the same neighborhood. Yeah, literally a couple blocks away from each other. <laughs> yes. Small world. Ain't it funny how that happens? <laughs> I'm sorry? That's funny how that happens. A small world, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, it's definitely a big honor for me to have you on. Um, I recently seen you at the Philadelphia MUFON conference and watched you speak there and got one of your books and your autograph and a picture with you, which was great. Uh, so oh I want to thank goodness. you for that. Wow. <laughs> I, I, w I wish I remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. No, I'm sorry. I just. That's uh, fine. You know, you sign, you, you sign uh, books and uh, I'm glad I'm, I appreciate you buying uh, one of one of my books. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, great book, too. I got the, uh, the UFO Secrets Inside Wright-Patterson, Eyewitness Accounts from the Real Area 51. Yes, that uh, came out. And uh, uh, Don Schmidt and I have written uh, uh, 10 books together since, in 2000, since 2008. And uh, the UFO Secrets at Wright-Patterson came out. Uh, I have to tax my memory here. I think it was 2019. I think it came out two years ago. Yep, that's it. And uh, it's amazing I remember all these. Uh, uh, and we've had uh, three books come out since then, uh, Jesse. Uh, in 2020, we had... Um, Oh my goodness! I, oh oh, <laughs> I forgot the title. <laughs> but uh, we had uh, Roswell: The Ultimate Cold Case closed came out in 2020, and that's doing very well. And we had a big picture book come out also in 2020 called Roswell: The Chronological Pictorial, which is uh, a uh, pictorial trip through the. Roswell timeline from the time of the crash all the way up to the present as told in over 450 photographs. Wow. These are photos that were never used, you know, never uh, shown before that I have uh, taken and accumulated over the 30 years that I've been investigating the Roswell case. So there's, uh, uh, I believe it's uh, 
200, uh, it's 260 some pages, but it has like 450 photographs also, you know, and they're, and they're all captioned. It's not like they're just one photo after another. We go through the entire Roswell timeline, sometimes minute by minute from the time of the crash on uh, July 2nd, 1947, up to uh, the year the book was published, which was 2020. And, um, and uh, that's doing very well also. And this year, uh, we have come out with a special Roswell type book called Touched by Roswell, Crash Encounters of the Rich and Famous. Now, this is not a book about uh, who discovered the, you know, the, the witnesses who discovered it and all that sort of stuff. This is a book about the rich and famous people whose names you would recognize as being like uh, famous uh, actors and actresses and uh, right. uh, political people and baseball players, football players, uh, names that you would recognize that, that somewhere in their life, they cross paths with the Roswell story. Okay. And uh, we have, the book is 241 pages. It's got... Um, um, hundreds of photos and uh, you will recognize the names and uh, it came out this year so uh, and that's doing very well and that was published by Philip Mantle who I understand you had on your show recently yes he was here last week <laughs> yes and it was published by Philip Mantle the flying disc press fly, flying disc press and uh, we also have a book coming out next year. Every time I do a book, I think, oh, this is the last one. You know? <laughs> this is the last one. I said that about five or six books ago. <laughs> but uh, uh, next year's book is, uh, it's in honor of the 75th anniversary right. of okay. the Roswell crash. And uh, it's a... Uh, uh, update of our best-selling book called Witness to Roswell, which was the first book Don Schmidt and I ever wrote about Roswell. Uh, is It was in 2007. Right. And it did so well. It was the best UFO-selling book in the world for two years, 2007 and 2008. Yes. It did so well that we did a sequel to it in 2009. We updated it in the same title, Witness to Roswell. And uh, that also, uh, it was a top-selling UFO book in the world for 2009. How about that? So, so we're, we're updating that book, and it will be the last book in the trilogy, Witness to Roswell. We haven't uh, developed a subtitle for it yet, but it will be updated and published next June in time for the uh, uh, July UFO festival they have down in Roswell every year. Yes. Right. So that, that I'm guessing, and I say this after every book, uh, <laughs> I'm guessing that will be our final Roswell book, unless something, uh, that we have, have not reported on and it's of a, uh, of a, uh, you know, very important nature, uh, that we might consider doing another book, but that, that, uh, uh like I said, I, Don Schmidt and I, we have we have developed the case. We have we believe we've solved it. 
uh, we've got over 600 witnesses, first and second hand witnesses. Uh, we really believe that we have the, the case solved from its inception up to the present time. And uh, it, uh, next year will more than likely be our last Roswell book. And uh, it uh, just happens to be the 75th anniversary of the, uh, the crash. Well, that'll be great. That'll be awesome. People will love to have that. That's definitely something people look forward to. It's all. It's already written. Oh yeah. <laughs> <We> are, okay. <laughs> yes, we finished writing it. They wanted. Uh, they wanted finished a, a year ahead of time, and uh, we've already written it. And uh, I just have to update the photos. That's all. Okay. Great. Definitely have to keep an eye out then for that when it comes out in the seventy-fifth anniversary. Yes. Um, so I guess let's uh, let's start from the beginning and do a little bit of backtracking of, of how you got started with Don Schmidt and the the whole Roswell. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, um, as a kid, I was interested in U UFOs. You know, what what are these things? You know, are they people from another planet? You know, uh, right? You know, you know how the child's mind works. You know, it's fairly simple at a you know young age, and I just was fascinated by the subject of uh, these things flying around our sky that are fastest. Uh, fighter jets couldn't keep up with and uh so i read a few books by donald kehoe okay and a very good writer yes definitely and uh, i sort of you know i kept in touch with the subject not in any uh, in investigative way but just uh, to see what was taking place and um but then there was a long period where i was in college and in graduate school um uh, I, I graduated from Temple University. Uh, went there on a baseball, uh, an athletic scholarship to play baseball. Okay. And uh, then I went uh, into the Air Force for four years. And uh, so that that takes me to let's see uh, the mid. Uh, let's see, I got out of the Air Force in 1967. And uh, got married in 1968. Uh, went back to school uh, because I had to, when I was in the Air Force, uh, I started taking classes when I was stationed in Sacramento, California. Uh, I did my two tours of duty. One was in remote Alaska. Uh, I, I kept putting in for Europe and they gave me re remote Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I came out of Alaska, I put in for McGuire Air Force Base in uh, New Jersey. Yes. Uh, but, but they gave me McClellan Air Force Base in California. <laughs> Total opposite spectrum. <laughs> well, yes, yes. But it turned out to be a good, uh, good deal. It was in Sacramento, California. I met my wife. Well, we are now married 50, 53 years. I mean, she's a Sacramentan. Congratulations. And... Uh, I started taking classes at uh, Sacramento State uh, College, now now uh, Cal, Cal State Sacramento University, uh, where my wife Doreen also graduated. And uh, I started taking classes in anthropology, became fascinated in the subject of human evolution and uh, paleontology and those sorts of things. So I wasn't thinking too much about uh, 
UFOs anymore at that point. This is now in the late 60s, uh, early 70s. Got my master's degree in anthropology at uh, Cal State Sacramento in 1974. So uh, I'm really hooked on the subject. So I uh, got a fellowship to attend the University of Toronto in okay. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So I moved with my family, uh, Doreen, and now by this time I have two two little kids, two little children, and uh, we moved to Toronto. And this is now 1974. I spent four years in Toronto watching too many hockey games, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but I enjoyed, you know, I uh, learned a lot. Uh, I didn't get my PhD, but uh, I did. Uh, I had my own classes in anthropology and I did learn more. But uh, I'm uh, what they call ABD or what my dissertation. I didn't have a dissertation uh, subject and my kids were, were getting older and I felt I needed to support my family. So we came back to Philadelphia and uh, I went to work. Uh, for a large insurance company in downtown Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, so I spent the next 20 years uh, there and uh, another company or two. And by this time, um, uh, since my, you know, you can't get a college teaching uh, job unless you have a, a PhD, you know, you have to have a PhD. And I only had a, still had my master's. So I went to work uh, to, to support my family in Philadelphia in this large insurance company. And my uh, uh, interest in UFOs uh, popped up again. I uh, joined MUFON. Okay. Uh, I became, I, all I wanted to do, uh, Jesse, is I just wanted to receive the, uh, the monthly or bi-monthly journal that they published. Yes, you know, and, yes. Uh, that, that's all I wanted. Next thing I know, I'm the state section director for Philadelphia uh, County, Montgomery County, Bucks County, Delaware County, and uh, I'm maybe leaving one out. Oh, you would have had me, see? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I started investigating local UFO cases. Yep and putting on a monthly meeting. And uh, the cases uh, were not, uh, the cases were all lights in the sky, you know? Yeah. Lights in the sky. And that they, that I just got tired. They, they don't lead you anywhere. Oh, I saw this light in the sky. It went this way. It went that way. Oh boy, it, it wasn't an airplane. I don't know what it was. So after a while you get tired of those, you know, they don't, they don't add to, uh, to understanding what's going on. Right. And uh, so I also joined another group called QFOS, the Center for UFO Studies, the yes. J. Allen, yep. which is based in uh, Chicago, uh, just to get their bi monthly international UFO reporter to stay on top of the subject. And so I, uh, reading the the International UFO Reporter from QFOS, I, I discovered that there were these two fellows, uh, Don Schmidt and Kevin Randall, were reopening the Roswell case. Now, uh, I had read the first book on the subject called The Roswell Incident. Yes, that was my first book I read, too, on it. <laughs> yes, yes. 
it came out in 1980. It was by William Moore and Charles Berlitz, but yep. uh, Berlitz was just a was just a headline name to put on the book. Where uh, the other researcher on it was Stanton Friedman, uh, who, who I knew well. Yes. And um, so I read the book, and it just blew me away. I said, "Oh my goodness, this is not. This is definitely not lights in the sky." It was t talking about an alleged crash of a, a flying saucer, as they called them back then, in uh, Roswell, New Mexico, in 1947. There was wreckage. There was bodies. There was a cover-up. There were death threats. Boy, this case had everything. And this book just blew me away. Well, 10 years go by. And in the meantime, I joined, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a member of MUFON and QFOS. And uh, so a, no other book in Roswell had been written since that 1980 80 book. So we're now talking about 19, uh, we're now in 1991. And I called up Kevin Randall, who uh, was uh, at that, that time teamed up with Don Schmidt on the Roswell case, I said, Kevin, what have you done about trying to find the archeologist who allegedly, according to the book, uh, stumbled upon the crashed saucer? They were allegedly from the University of Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Really? So, yes. He said, well, we interviewed one or two archaeologists from New Mexico, and they didn't know anything about it. I said, well, look, let me go down to the University of Pennsylvania and see what I can find out. So I called up William Moore, the co-author of the Roswell Incident book. I said, Mr. Moore, uh, uh, do you have the names of the, the archaeologists uh, from the University of Pennsylvania that you say found the downed UFO? So uh, he says, yes, he, he, he did. So I, I heard him walk over to a, a cabinet. He opened the drawer and he came back and said, okay, their names are, and he gave me two names. Uh, one was the Bernard Wales, uh, an archaeologist, and the other was uh, John Cotter, both archaeologists. And uh, so I went down to Penn. I interviewed Bernard Wales and... Uh, he said he didn't know anything about it. And I was thinking, well, how did William Moore get your name? Well, I don't know. I don't, I'm just an archaeologist. I don't know anything about this. Said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. So that was, I took his picture and I said, thank you. So then I interviewed John Cotter, a more famous archaeologist, uh, well-known at the uh, Clovis site in New Mexico. He was uh, one of the... Leaders of that, um, you know, if you're an archaeologist, you know, the, you know, you have Clovis points and things like, you know, it's the oldest uh, Native American culture uh, in the New World uh, about 12,000 years ago. Well, he was associated with that. So I interviewed John Carter and I, and he's telling me all about the Roswell case. I'm saying, oh, my God, this guy was there. He knows all about it. Right. So uh, he says, and you know what it was? And I said, oh, God, tell me, please. He said it was a crash of a V2 rocket carrying a chimpanzee. And, oh, <laughs> my God. 
I almost fell out of my chair because that was so far from the truth. I said, this guy's lying to, he knows about it, but he's lying to me. Right. So uh, I took his picture and thanked him. I learned later from another Penn graduate student that it, he was at the crash site. He was at the crash site. And uh, before I could get back to him, he passed away. And uh, uh, I did I did call his daughter, though. He had a, his um, obituary in the newspaper uh, listed a daughter. So I called her and I, I surprised her, I'm sure, because she didn't know who I was. And uh, uh, I was asking her about her father. Oh, yes, he was an archaeologist. Then I asked about Roswell. And she says, oh, oh, oh I got, I'm, I'm on my way out the door. Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. Call me back. Uh, well, I'm going on vacation. Call me back in a month. Uh -huh. and, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, wow, that, that was uh, convenient. And uh, so I called her back in a month and she says, uh, talk to my lawyer. Uh -huh. uh, oh, my God. So once I mentioned Ro she, Roswell, she did not want to talk to me anymore. And uh, so he was there, uh, no doubt about it. So uh, I wrote that up. Uh, I wrote it up in the International UFO Reporter, and I unofficially joined the uh, Randall Schmidt team <laughs> at that point, 1991. They came out with the second Roswell book in 91 called The UFO Crash at Roswell, which really, in my humble opinion, uh, ignited the worldwide interest in the case. Right. Which, All which, over has again. Yeah. which has lasted to the present day. So that's how I became active, is by joining the Randall and Schmidt team. And in 1995, uh, Schmidt, I'm not sorry, Randall left the, left the team and uh, to go on his own. And... Uh, I also became a member of the board of directors of QFOS, the Center for UFO Studies in Chicago, for two years. And in one of the in one of the meetings at, in Chicago, Don Schmidt uh, was there, and he said, "Look, I'm going down to uh, Roswell next month, which would be May of 1998." He says, "Does anybody want to go with me?" And so one other fellow's hand went up. Uh, said uh, it's 50 50. i'll go i'll go over to you but it's 50 50. you know if somebody you ask somebody some, uh, something he says it's 50 50 you know that's a no right they're most likely <laughs> not going <laughs> so so i told don and schmidt i said i'll go with you so don and i went down to roswell together in may of 1998 we've been a team ever since we've uh uh, and uh, enhance the witness base to up to 600 and we've written 10 books together and our 11th book will come out next year well that's unbelievable that's a that's a, a great story how it all started um as soon as i found out about you guys and what the researchers were doing i became a immediately big fan of you guys um and you are someone that i look up to in this field as i investigate through through mufon and uh, on on the side through my podcast and my website, um, you guys, the, your work ethic, um, how, how you guys went boots on the ground, everything. Um, it's just very inspiring to young investigators coming up in the field today. 
Do you uh, do you still live in Northeast Philly? Yes. Yep. That's where I well, you'll have, you'll have to come over. I'm in Huntington Valley. You'll have to come over. I'll show you. I'll show you what Command Central for Roswell looks like. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> thirty uh, years. Thirty years of uh, investigation and writing. My, I've lost control of my office here at home. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> uh, I got stuff everywhere. <laughs> oh man yeah that would be great one day that would be really nice um so i guess we're coming up on the break so i guess we could take our break now and then we'll come back and we'll finish the episode um so we're going to take a quick break everyone and we'll be right back after the break with ufo encounters worldwide be right back <laughs> Did you know UFO Encounters Worldwide has an official website for the podcast? That's right. You can go to ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com today and check out all of the cool content we have on the UFO phenomenon. You can get all of the content and information for each episode on the website. Plus, you can follow my travels and see some of my work. There's even new weekly updates on the UFO phenomenon with megalithic structures and different places from around the world with UFO sightings. That's ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Check it out today. UFO Encounters Worldwide wants to hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peak at UFO Encounters Worldwide at gmail.com today. Hey everyone, it's Jesse Peak, your host from UFO Encounters Worldwide. Have you guys ever had a UFO sighting? Go to MUFON.com where you can report your UFO sighting and a field investigator will get in contact with you and investigate your sighting absolutely free. I'm a field investigator for MUFON in Pennsylvania. I do it all the time. It's a great, great organization to report your sighting and actually get real feedback. Check it out at MUFON.com today. All right, welcome back to the second half of UFO Encounters Worldwide. Just before the break, we got into the background and history of how Tom Carey got started with the Roswell and, and teamed up with Don Schmidt. Um, so I guess when you were down there in Roswell, uh, how was it down there? Did, was it a good time? Did people actually talk to you and get involved in the case when you were investigating? Well, actually, uh, we uh, the people we... Uh, investigated and interviewed uh they did they rarely came forward we had to find them and uh many of them were reluctant to, to talk but uh, we got enough of, of them to talk that we could actually solve the case uh, as to what happened when it happened who did what and um but it was cer certainly uh, uh, very educational, as uh, you know, as far as interviewing people in their 
we started out when uh, we started out, they were in their 60s and 70s, and they, we wound up they were in their 80s and 90s. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, but it was when we found some, listen, uh, nine out of 10 leads we got uh, didn't go anywhere or fell through. But the one lead that we got that we would get a hit on, it energized us for the next nine or 10 that we had to look at. You know what I mean? Yes. Every, I <laughs> every time we got a, every time we got a hit, it was, it was worth all of the rejections that we got. Right. And uh, we, we got a lot of, of rejections of people slamming the phone down on us, uh, closing the door in our face, but we had enough to where uh, we developed a, witness pool of up to 600 first and second hand witnesses and uh, uh it, it was it's really something jesse uh and, and and when you feel that you've done something that you've solved something it's just uh, it feels like it's a life's accomplishment you know right and, uh, that's, that's, that's how I felt when I did my first MUFON case. <laughs> that's the feeling I got. <laughs> so I yes. understand. <laughs> yes. Uh, and along the way, we met a lot of famous people. We were interviewed by, uh, I've done several hundred interviews, and uh, we've been on television and interviewed by people like Shirley MacLaine and Larry King. I've been on Larry King's show. That's great. Uh, uh, things like that. And um, it's uh, it's rewarding in that you uh, and, and listen, when I was at Lincoln High School and Temple University and I had a book report due, I would I would let it go to the night before and go down to the drugstore and buy a classic comic book and uh, use that uh, for my book report, <laughs> never thinking that I, I would, and I never worked so hard to get a C, a grade of a C, as I did in English, uh, English composition, freshman English composition at Temple. I never worked so hard to get a C. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, this writing is really, I, I don't know, I, I can't, I can't put a sentence together. And um, uh, what it turned out to be was that I was writing about things I didn't have any interest in. Right. Uh, uh, writing about Roswell, everything changed because I, by that time, I, I, I was well read. I, I, I read history, I, you know, anthropology and all that sort of stuff. I wrote papers for anthropology. And so I, I, I did develop my writing skills in college, uh, in graduate school. And by the time I started writing about uh, Roswell, my skills were uh, much improved. And uh, ever thinking that I, I would write a book or could, you know, co-author a book, uh, let alone ten books, it was certainly never in my mind. Never right. in my mind. So, my brother, my older brother, also uh, from Mayfair, graduated from Lincoln High. Uh, Went to Drexel and Penn State. He got a doctorate in uh, organic chemistry. And his textbooks in organic chemistry have been used for decades in, in colleges and universities around the world. Wow. And, uh, but he was a natural, he was a natural writer. And uh, when we were kids, 
while I was out playing in the street, he was inside reading newspapers and reading books. And <laughs> so everything, <laughs> everything came natural to him as far as writing. But for me, it was very, very hard to, to, uh, you know, because I, I was, I was an athlete. I was an athlete always where, you know, when's the next game, when's the next game. Right. And, right. So all, all of this comes as a, as a surprise to me, but it all had to do with what, what you're interested in, you know? Right. Absolutely. And when you're interested in something, it comes easier rather than, yes. Having, right. yes. Yep. So that's great. So when you were down there, did you guys actually, or any during any of your investigations, did you guys ever come across physical evidence of any kind? Um, we've had claimed physical evidence uh, that wasn't. Okay. And so we always had to be on the lookout. And uh, we got involved in uh, one uh, classic hoax case. Uh, I mean, we, we actually exposed a number of hoaxes. And, but one was uh, had to do with it, it was a it was a perfect storm of things that they had put together, most notably a, a, a slide Kodak slides that were actually from the 1947 era that somebody had taken in a museum somewhere of a body. That so help me, Jesse. It looked just like what I imagined the Roswell aliens looked like. Wow. And uh, uh, we actually, we put on a great big presentation about it in Mexico City. Big auditorium down there. We filled it to almost capacity of 8,000 people. And uh, it, uh, it turned out to be that this was, this was a hoax. And uh, uh, we just did not have all of the information, but the information we had Everything pointed to that it was from uh, somebody took a shot at uh, Roswell, one of the Roswell bodies. And uh, it's a long story, but uh, uh, everybody's allowed one mistake, I would think. But, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> We're all human. <laughs> but, yeah. But uh, that that was that happened in 2015. And uh, that's what, six years ago. Yeah. But uh, we did the, you know, we, we did due diligence on this slide for three years, and uh, everybody said, "Well, when are you going to release it? When are you going to release it?" Well, we finally did down in Mexico City, and uh, a few a week or two later, somebody uh, was able to show that it was a hoax. That we did not have that information, but it, that that's what it was. So, uh, lots of things uh, interviewing. Uh, People that were there was uh, we considered a, a uh, privilege. Uh, walking the old Roswell base, uh, Roswell Army Airfield, down in Roswell, where all the wreckage and the bodies were taken. Uh, every time I go down there, I feel like I'm walking on hallowed ground when I go out to that old base, and uh, that's where the 509th Bomb Group was stationed in 1947 that uh, became involved in the recovery of the saucer and the bodies. Right. And the 509th bomb group was the outfit that was created during world war two and dropped two atomic bombs on Japan. So these were the elites of our air force. Right. That's the best. And, yeah. 
Yeah, and after the war, they relocated to Roswell. And uh, they uh, uh, became involved because they were the closest uh, military unit to the crash site. They became involved in the recovery. And that base is still there, but it's not a military base anymore. It closed in 1967. But uh, some of the buildings uh, are still there that were there back in 47. And like I said, I feel like I'm walking on hallowed ground when I go down and walk the old days. Right. So, yes. <laughs> so, but most people don't know that the, that that 509th bomb group that recovered the spaceship and the bodies, they were our military elites in 1947. They, they were the, uh, the 509th bomb group still exists today at Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri. Okay. And their mission their mission is still the same as it was when they were created, and that is to drop atomic bombs on uh, when, when uh, if in case of in, in time of war to to deliver to atomic bombs to enemy targets. It's the same mission that they had back in World War II and the same one they had at Roswell. And uh, they they still exist. Well, that's crazy. I had no idea about that. I never knew that. I didn't know they still existed today either. Yeah, it's White the Whiteman Air Force Base in uh, Missouri. Uh, I can't pronounce the name of the town. I, I I tried. I can't pronounce the name of the town, but it's in Missouri. Okay. Okay. So um, I know a lot of the. I guess a lot of your research um, from Roswell did lead you to Wright Patterson Air Force Base, where I guess was where you wrote the book Inside Wright Patterson. Um, so what exactly led you from Roswell to Wright Pat? Was it the alien bodies? Oh, the, the witnesses. The witnesses. Okay. Yeah, you know, the witness. All the witnesses who knew where the wreckage went, they all said. Uh, Back then, it was called Wright Field. They were still uh, a year away from uh, combining Wright Field with Patterson Field, uh, which was close by to, to call it Wright Patterson. But back in 47, it was Wright Field. And uh, all the witnesses who knew said it was it, it went all the wreckage and the bodies and the one live one went to uh, Wright Field in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Okay. So, um, so. Well, I mean, during the uh, Wright Patterson, I mean, I read a lot of the stuff in the in the book that you wrote that I uh, got off you, um, and it, it says that you got a you worked with a lot of different people um, uh, that helped you, like Grant Cameron, Jerome Clark. Uh, you mentioned a lot of the the colleagues. Um, were now did they all help do it with the with the case up up Wright Patterson as well, or just Roswell, or is it both a mixture of it all? Well, the, the, the well the the focus is Roswell. Okay. And uh, uh, what they all knew about Roswell is what we were interested in. And if they knew anything about Wright Patterson, which some of them did, you know, that was a big help too, because uh, Wright Patterson is a complex uh, base. It's a mostly underground, believe it or not. And um, uh, so. Uh, people who helped us along the way, we acknowledge, and the, mostly the focus was was Roswell. We're only interested in the Roswell crash. Okay. And uh, uh, people talk to me. You know, I tangentially, I know, you know, the the stuff that's going now, uh, going on with these uh, videos that uh, Luis Elizondo put out a couple of years ago. 
and force the uh, Defense Department to make a statement, yes. which was which was really underwhelming. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, quasi knowledgeable about that. But uh, my big, you know, my big focus uh, since I read that uh, 1980 book has been Roswell. Right. Okay. So where do you think that the uh, the Wright Air Force Base gets the name the real Area 51 from? Yes. Uh, the reason we uh, the reason we came up with that title was uh, when I give a talk, oftentimes I'll, I'll ask the audience, how many people here ever heard of Area 51? And all the hands go up. All the hands go up. I said, okay, how many people here have heard of Wright Patterson? And maybe one or two hands goes up. So they were all familiar with uh, Area 51. And especially when they think of Area 51, they're not thinking about the U-2 spy plane that was developed there or the SR-71 Blackbird that was developed there or the stealth bomber or the stealth fighter. They're thinking about UFOs and aliens. That's what they're thinking about. So, uh, so if that's what they're thinking about, the first Area 51 was Wright-Patterson because that's where all the alien stuff went for years. Right. And uh, it wasn't until, uh, I guess, uh, Area 51 was, was constructed in 1955 to build... Uh, uh, secret spy planes, the U-2 and the SR-71, the yes. stealth, uh, stealth bombers, stealth fighters, and stuff like that. Real high-tech stuff. And uh, we believe that the uh, because Wright-Patterson is in Dayton, Ohio, the city is, you know, it's right there in the city. It's too dangerous uh, anymore. If, you know, you have a plane crash or something, you're going to cr crash right into the town. So all that stuff moved to Area 51 out in the uh, Nevada desert where, you know, you'll have a crash or a way out in the desert. But we believe that the because people started associating aliens with Wright-Patterson in a public way in 1974, I remember it well because I was that was the year we left uh, Sacramento, California to go to Toronto. And this fellow down in Florida, his name was uh, Professor Robert Spencer Carr. He was no professor. He just called himself that. But he was a UFO. He, he gave talks on UFOs, you know, down there in Florida. And Florida is a big retirement state for military. A lot of military retire to Florida right. and, te and Texas. Yep. But the, the, the ones down in Florida, a lot of them came from were, uh, uh, Wright-Patterson. And uh, this Robert Spencer Carr would do, give a UFO talk, and they would come up to him after, after his talk. Like, you know, they always do. Like, oh, I got something to tell you. Right. <laughs> and, and they would talk to him. They would tell him about this uh, Hangar 18 at Wright Patterson, the Hangar 18. Well, yes, that's where they keep all the the flying saucers and the aliens and that sort of stuff. So, Robert Spencer Carr's 15 minutes of fame 
occurred in 1974, in the fall of 1974, when he went public with all these stories about this Hangar 18 at Wright-Patterson. And uh, they even made a movie about uh, Hangar 18 a few years later, the same year as the first uh, Roswell book came out, 1980. And uh, I remember listening. I said, oh, this is just really interesting. He's talking about a hangar there at Wright-Patterson, Hangar 18. There's, it's where all the alien stuff is. And that, <laughs> that, that went across the country. That, that, uh, he had his five minutes of fame. By the time I got to Toronto, the story had died. But that's where Wright Patterson started becoming connected to, in the public's mind, uh, flying saucers and aliens. Okay. And it just got it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, we believe in the early 1980s, all of that uh, uh, alien stuff, the, the wreckage and all the bodies, they, that moved to Area 51 in Nevada. That, that's what we, we believe. Okay. And, uh, where it is today, we, we are told that the, all that stuff is now in private hands. Now, by private hands, I don't mean uh, Jesse Peak in uh, uh, Northeast Philadelphia. Right or uh, Uncle Harry or Aunt Louisa, it's in these uh, big companies that do contract work with the federal government, like Lockheed Martin, um, the Rand Corporation, Battelle Memorial Institute. They have all these contracts for uh, this and that with the federal government. And that's those are the private hands where we believe today that... Uh, the wreckage, all of the wreckage. They're still working on the wreckage, we are told. Uh, another big one is Bigelow Aerospace in yes, Nevada. There, yes. For sure. <laughs> yep. For sure, that's where the, some of the stuff is. And, uh, and we know that for a fact. That's not a guess. That's, we know that's for a fact. Absolutely. And, um, uh, as far as the Roswell bodies, we believe there were five of them. And uh, we are told that a... Uh, high-ranking officer in the Foreign Technology Division at Wright-Patterson on his deathbed said that they were in Utah. Well, that would be the Dugway, that would be the Dugway Proving Grounds yes. in, in Utah, which is a lot like Area 51. So okay. that's, that's, that's what we believe. It and makes a lot of sense, uh, though, too, because when they have the, all these private corporations that hold this stuff, Yes, it makes it impossible it, for regular people to submit a FOIA request. You're reading my mind, Jesse. You're reading my mind. <laughs> that, was my, <laughs> that was my next point, is that they are exempt from responding to FOIA requests. Yes, and that's See, a big with thing. <laughs> a, with a government, you they have to respond to a FOIA request. Private entities do not. Yep. They do not. So we are positive that the Barrow, uh, Barrow, uh, uh, Bigelow Aerospace is is uh, the recipient of a lot of that stuff. We know. We even know what projects they're working on. We, we know that. Uh, we we got that from the Defense Intelligence a Agency. They gave it away to us. And uh, uh, here's one for you. Uh, in the closing minutes. Uh, in our in our investigation of the Roswell case, 
our mandate was to interview as many of the witnesses as we could before they passed away. Now, you figure somebody who's 20 years old in 1947 is like 95 now. Right. If they're still alive, most of them, most of them are, are gone. All the ones that we are aware of are gone. Uh, there may be some out there, you know, that we, we never, you know, we never got to that we are still alive. We don't know. But all of the witnesses that we interviewed over the years who were firsthand witnesses, we know they're all gone. Even some of the children of these firsthand witnesses are starting to go. So uh, that's why we wrote the book, uh, Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed, because we, you know, there was, we thought there was no future because they were all passing away. Right. And uh, so, um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, so our mandate was to interview witnesses, find them, locate them, right. interview them before before they all died. And we don't, you know, we always get the question: Well, where where do you think they came from? Where did they come from? Why did they come here? Well, uh, as far as why they came here, all we can do is speculate. You know, you have these. Uh, I'm not into abductions at all. That okay. sort of thing. Uh, well, or and, and you're too young to remember the contactees from the 1950s who said, "Well, I was just uh, I was just flown around the solar system by my uh, um, space brothers. They took me in their space craft. We went around. We we went by Saturn, and oh, it was a wonderful trip." Well. <laughs> That, that gave UFOs a bad name for years. It's right. still with us. It's yep. still with us, the contactees. Now, um, well, uh, the, um, so we never, Don Schmidt and I, and this is the truth, we, we never ourselves talked to one another of, of where they possibly came from or why they were here. So when, when we get the question on the air, when we're, we're being interviewed, we, we speculate that, well, possibly they came to New Mexico because that's where all the atomic research was going on. And right. that's pure speculation, Jesse. Right, right. That's pure speculation. Yep. We don't know for sure. No, nobody knows, right. Uh, but that's where all the atomic uh, research was going on at Los Alamos. Uh, at the Sandia Labs at Kirtland Air Force Base, the only atomic bomb group in the world was right. at Roswell. So that that's our answer. But as where they came from, we just uh, we just never had that conversation. Well, right. in the last two years, we came across a witness uh, who. He was he was a German. He was from Germany, and he knew one of the the paperclip Germans who came over with Werner von Braun after the war, and he was involved in the Roswell uh, recovery and analysis. And his name was Ernst Steinhoff. Okay. And uh, according to this gentleman, who was a medical doctor, he came to the museum and told us about it, UFO museum in Roswell. He said, do you want to talk to his sons? He's got two sons. 
one's named Hans and the other is Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I called them both up and uh, neither one of them uh, responded. And I figured, well, they're just not going to talk to me. Well, I get this call one day. I'm watching an Eagles game on television. This is like three or four years ago, and it's Hans. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like he's at a Panzer reunion. <laughs> oh, man. Because <laughs> I could hear all the singing in the background. And, uh, right. and he lives in Alamogordo, New Mexico, or Cloudcroft, or something like that. Okay. Uh, but uh, I could hear, and he, I interviewed him, and, well, my no, my father, his father was Ernst Steinhoff. No, he never took... I, he never talked to me about uh, UFOs. No, no, really. I said, well, what did you do? Well, I milk. We lived in a farm. I milk cows all the time. And the guy's a he's the, the guy is an engineer, right? And he's out there milking cows. Never asked his father about the Roswell. Well, no, we never talked about it. Well, thank you. And uh, well, I said, well, enjoy your Panzer meeting. And, uh, <laughs> so. I, I called the, the other son up, uh, Ralph, and Ralph did the same thing. He said, oh, no, uh, my father told me that uh, those who know don't talk, and those who talk don't know. So, if, you know, you figure that one out. Okay, right. uh, well, thanks, Ralph. That's a nice <laughs> note. That, uh, he, says, oh, he says, oh, by the way, I'd like to know what the mass to weight ratio was. And I'm thinking, where is he coming? Where is he? What is I've never heard that before. Obviously, he got that from his father. Right. And then what's the mass to weight ratio? I said, well, I'll let you know. I have never had that question before. He says, no, oh, by the way, uh, the Roswell crash, it was not uh, extra. It was not extraterrestrial. I said, it wasn't. He says, no, it was extra dimensional. And so where do, where do you think he got that? Right. Yep. He got that from his father. <laughs> Absolutely. Who's in the New Mexico Space Hall of Fame and uh, who actually worked on the Roswell case. So he so his father is telling him that it was in, interdimensional. Right. And so I'm thinking, wow, that's, I, you know, wow, I, I, I'll just file that one away. So uh, we came across another witness. Now, this witness. We got about two minutes left, too, just so you know. This witness was on uh, Werner von Braun's uh, 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 rocket team. He was uh, a Navy commander, and he was interviewed by Bill Burns, who used to have the UFO uh, yes. yeah. uh, magazine. And yep. he told Bill Burns that uh, the Roswell case was a case of visitors from somewhere else, and that somewhere else was not extraterrestrial, it was extra temporal meaning time travelers so wow. there you have two scientists saying that they're time travelers so it, it's not uncle harry it's two scientists who worked on the case so i have to consider that absolutely the, the, absolutely um well we got about 30 seconds left and i just got to ask you this question what was your favorite part about investigating roswell or wright patterson or the whole thing in general uh, how I never expected that it would take up 30 years of my life, but uh, the, the it was a interest I thought I would never have to keep uh, had that long. And right. every time we got a hit, it really I really felt uh, fulfilled when we got a witness who gave us information. All and, right. 
and we knew and we know it was not uh, from this earth right all right well this show went really quick and that's always how it goes when it's a really good show <laughs> but i want to thank you for coming on today and if you want to tell everybody where they can get your book real quick or find your books yeah, well, they're all at Amazon. That's the that's the big uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon online and Barnes and Noble online uh, are the uh, and if you're in Roswell, you can buy them all at the uh, Roswell UFO Museum, and uh, so that's where you can get them. All right, great. All right, well, thank you very much for coming on today, Tom. And it's been my pleasure, Jesse, a, a fellow Philadelphiaite. Uh, <laughs> yes, we are. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening today. This is another episode of UFO Encounters Worldwide with your host, Jesse Peak. We'll see you next week, everybody. Well, I hope everybody really enjoyed that episode. I surely did. Tom Carey is an absolute amazing guy and someone to look up to in this UFO field like I have done for a very long time. His worth ethic, his boots on the ground, the interviews that he's done for investigations, Everything that he's done to help with the Roswell case, him and Don Schmidt do absolutely amazing work. And it was a blessing and an honor to have him on today for today's episode. You can go in the description of the episode below and you can check out where to find Tom's books at. And uh, definitely give them a check out because they are amazing. So I want to thank everybody for listening to today's episode. And we'll be back next week with our guest, Preston Dennett. So until then, keep your eyes in the sky.